In just a few moments, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But let me tell you, for the last three months in our midweek connect, our adult Bible study, I guess we've had about 35 to 40 of you that have been gathering with us and we've been studying prophecy. And the climate that we find ourselves in, confirming that the end times are in fact upon us. Well, it's certainly not too late. I'd love to have the rest of you join us. We've been looking at geographical signs such as Russia's role and Israel's role and other countries' roles in end-time prophecy. Additionally, we've looked at cultural signs, signs that the Bible predicts would be a part of the day in which the coming of the Lord would be. Some of those cultural signs are materialism, an absolute insatiable hunger and thirst for money, and how it has consumed so many, and yet it was predicted in the Bible that it would be in the last days. We see that on top of materialism, we also see immorality. I'm 55 years old, and I can honestly say I've never seen our society more morally depraved than it is right now. All pointed out, all predicted in Scripture. Another sign that we're talked about was apathy. And while we see these things happening around us, we go on indifferent and uncaring. We're busy with our daily lives as Jesus predicted we would be as we neared the end. All of these cultural signs that are prophesied and that are coming to pass right now. This thing is wrapping up. This thing we call life this thing we call living in our great country, it's, it's coming to a conclusion. We're going to continue in some, some of that <clears throat> study on Wednesday night. We'd love to have you come out and be with us 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We have ministry for the youth and for our kids. But during the month of August, <clears throat> on Sunday morning, as the Lord has directed me, we're going to be zeroing in on some all-important messages about the end times from the Bible. A lot of churches and a lot of ministries, a lot of preachers of the gospel, they stay away from prophecy. They stay away from end-time discussion. And yet, that's exactly the opposite of what the Lord told us to do. He told us we need to be talking about the end times. And so today, I'd like for you to stand with me, if you would, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 51 
it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul wrote and said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or have died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or have passed on. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Would you stretch your hand this direction and ask God's anointing and blessing over his word and over his servant today? Father, we come before you needing your touch. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon us this very moment. Thank you for the, the presence of God that we've already experienced, your peace. Lord, I'm asking you right now just to illuminate the word into the hearts of every person listening to this messenger. Everyone online, everyone in person, may they hear what the Spirit is saying to their hearts. May their ears hear it. May their hearts receive it. And may their lives be changed by it. <clears throat> we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you for these things. In the precious name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> On this first Sunday in August... I want to spend some time talking about the worldwide evacuation. It is the most prophetic event that is talked about in the Bible. The second coming of Jesus Christ back to the earth. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. And in those 260 chapters, there are 318 references to the second coming of Jesus. In fact, the second coming of Jesus is talked about much more than the first coming of Jesus. For every single prophecy about the coming of Jesus when he came as a babe in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, for every single prediction of that great advent from heaven to earth, Bible scholars believe that there are eight prophecies of his second coming. 
I want you to get, let that sink in for a moment. That there are eight times, as many times, the Bible talks about his second coming. He promised to come as a baby, and he did the first time. He promised the town hundreds of years earlier that he would be born in, and he was born in that town. He promised he would die on a cross, and he died on a cross. He promised that he would rise again, and praise God, he has arisen. Every promise of him and in him is yes and amen. He does not break his promises. And it is eight times more guaranteed that he will come again as he came the first time. Did you know that the second coming of Jesus is a two-part event? First, he will come to evacuate worldwide or rapture or catch away the church, the true church, the bride of Christ, not a harlot or a cheating church or a cheating Christian, but the church, the believer that has been loyal to Jesus Christ. The second part of his second coming is that after a period of time, after that initial worldwide evacuation, that Jesus will return to the earth with his saints, and he will set foot on the earth with his saints, and he will reign on this earth for a thousand years. It is prophesied, it is planned to the nth degree, it is predicted, it is promised. Jesus is coming back in the clouds of glory, and the church of our Lord will be raptured and will be evacuated at any moment. I want to tell you today, the angels will not be coming back after the church. I want to tell you today that the Holy Spirit will not be coming back after the church. Jesus, the Son of God, the great King of kings and Lord of lords, He's coming back after His own bride. He's coming back after His own church. He looked at His followers and He says it to us. In John chapter 14, we hear it at many homegoings. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Well, praise the Lord. Jesus is coming back personally. He's coming back physically. He's coming back literally. Oh, the disciples were pining and wondering and missing him as they stood at the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says after he had given them their charge to go and, and tarry in Jerusalem and, and to do the work of the ministry, that he ascended into heaven. And all they could do was think about how broken and forlorn they were. The last three and a half years they had traveled 
traveled with this miracle worker and this Savior and this resurrected King, this one that had raised the dead back to life and raised himself back to life, and now he's ascended up into heaven. But two angels stood by, and this is what they said to him. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see go away shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go away. I'm telling you, we are on the precipice. We are on the edge of the coming of the Son of God. And I say, Lord, come quickly, even this very moment, because I'm ready to go home to be with the Lord. Well, praise God. You ask the question, why is he coming back? And why are we going up? Well, let me just share with you a couple of reasons why he's coming back and why we're going up. The first reason I'll share with you is that Christians, so we can avoid God's wrath that is coming to the world. There is a tremendous trouble the likes of which this world has never seen. The scripture calls it a time of Jacob's trouble. The reason why the seven-year tribulation even exists is because of the Jewish people. Because they have been deceived for all these years. They believed Jesus was a great teacher and a rabbi. But they never embraced him as the savior of the world. And many of them still do not today. They still believe in Father Abraham and King David. But they've never embraced Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary and rising from the dead. God knew it would be this way. And so he established a seven-year period to get the Jewish people's attention. Well, I'm telling you, that's also a time of God's wrath upon this world because I'm telling you, when a world and when a country, when a nation is morally depraved, it has to answer to God. I'm telling you, it has to answer to God. The righteousness of God has to be satisfied. And I'm telling you, there is judgment coming to this world like we've never dreamed or imagined. It's a seven-year period, and, and we call it judgment, but it's actually the last shred of mercy mixed in with it to awaken Jewish people and unbelievers that are left behind as to who the true Messiah is. But see, here's the problem. There's going to come a charismatic personality that is going to deceive many of the known world, and they're going to swoon, and they're going to follow after this personality. But on the heels and in the mix of all of that, seven years of judgment from God it's going to come. Famine like we've never known. We don't know what famine is. You can go to a third world country and you can watch some swollen belly little children and they understand what famine is. We don't know what famine is here in America. We have no clue about what famine is, but I'm telling you there's coming a day where Americans are going to experience famine. They're going to experience wars. You talk we've had wars before and Korean wars and Vietnam and World War I and World War two, but there are global conflicts that are coming. Jesus said that there would be wars and rumors of wars. He predicted it in Matthew 24. It will come and during that time. There will be pestilence. You think we have disease today. You shudder and you worry and you fear about, about COVID or, or about this disease or that, but I'm telling you it pales in comparison as to the pestilence that God is 
descending upon this world. I'm telling you what the scripture calls that seven year period. It calls that seven year period the wrath of God that is to come. It will happen. But praise God, the Bible tells us the Christian, the child of God, listen to this. This ought to bring a shout out of somebody's soul today. The Bible says it like this. God has not appointed us to the wrath that is to come. Can I get an amen out there? Is there any blood-bought people out there? Is there any redeemed people out there? The scripture says to you, the loyal child of God, that God has not appointed you to the wrath that is to come. Case in point is 4,000 years ago. God flooded the earth, but he found eight righteous souls. He placed them inside of an ark, and he kept them safe six months while the rest of the known world, because of their evil and their wickedness, experienced the wrath and the judgment of the Creator. The Scripture said upon the earth that had never known anything more than mist. The Bible says the heavens opened up and the torrents became, began to come down. The Scripture said not only did the rain come from heaven, but the fountains of the deep broke up. So from the very depths of the earth, floodwaters came. So rain was coming from on high. Floodwaters was coming uh, from beneath and it flooded the earth so badly that the highest mountain peak was covered by water. Can you imagine some of the mountains that we swoon at today? Some of the ones we hear about that hikers traverse it was at one time covered by the flooding waters that was part of the judgment of God. And I'm telling you every time I see the evil of the world I cannot think it can get any worse. And yet I'm seeing it waxing worse and worse and the rate of evil is anybody in the house today? And the rate of evil is happening more and more rapidly. I have to uh, keep watching. I have to keep waiting. And I have to do what Jesus told me to do. I have to keep lifting up my head for my redemption is about to draw nigh. Now that may sound strange to you. You may even ask the question, what does that mean, preacher? What does redemption mean? I'll tell you what it means. When I, the day I met Jesus, I had been on an auction block of sin. I was chained to sin. Sin had dominion. It had control over me. But one day Jesus came by and said, I'm going to set you free from the auction block of sin. I'm not going to redeem you with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but I'm going to redeem you with my precious blood that's more valuable than anything in this world. Well, praise God the day that I said, yes, I want to be redeemed with that precious blood. Not only did he cover my sins, but he eradicated my sins. Not only did he cover my sins, but he broke the chains. I left off the auction block of sin, and I've been redeemed in my soul and in my spirit ever since. Let me just stop here and ask if there's any other redeemed in the house, for the Bible says every once in a while, the redeemed of the Lord need to say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Is there anybody in the house today that was once attached to an auction block of sin, but Jesus came by and he redeemed your soul, he redeemed your spirit, and today you're set free in Jesus' name. He whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
But that was the day he redeemed my soul. That was the day he redeemed my spirit. But my body is yet to be redeemed. But one day, like the saints used to sing, soon and very soon. I'm about to explode up here. Whether I am six foot above ground, as I currently am, or whether I am six foot underground, as I could be at any moment, he's going to redeem my body to go with my soul and spirit, and forever I am going to be with the Lord. I don't know how this is going to happen, preacher. Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, the Bible tells you exactly how it happens. It tells you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you're not careful, you'll gloss over it, you'll miss it. But we read it this morning. You see, when a person dies and they are a believer, they are a Christian, their body stays in the ground, but their soul and spirit goes into the presence of the Lord. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. But if you go back, you go look at it. The day that Jesus comes in the clouds of glory... He's going to come back with the spirits and the souls of all of your Christian loved ones. And while he will remain in the clouds, he will send those spirits and souls into that pine box. Go penetrate the ground six foot under. And the souls and the spirits are going to be reunited with the bodies. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then they go come up out of that grave. They're going to burst through those marbled mausoleums. <laughs> and they're going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Corruptible, which is what they are now, is going to change into incorruptible. Mortal, which is what they are now because they, they took their last breath here on this side of heaven, is going to suddenly be changed into immortality. The Bible says in Philippians 3.21 that he's going to change our vile bodies to be fashioned like his glorious body. In other words, just as he resurrected, just as he was, he could walk through a wall. I'm telling you, and yet he could eat some fish and honeycomb. Woo! Praise God. For an eating preacher, that's good news. Not only can I be where I want to be in a moment's time, but I also get to eat some good food. What are you trying to tell us, preacher? I'm trying to tell you like John said. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Well, praise the Lord.
But why is he coming back? Why are we going up? Well, to avoid God's wrath coming to the world. There's a second reason, though. He's coming back and we're going up so that we can go and for seven years enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, the Christian is part of the bride of Christ. And Jesus is the groom. We are married to Jesus. One place in the Bible says, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. And so he, he's preparing the reception, the honeymoon. It's all coming together. A great rejoicing that's going to take place when we are evacuated or raptured away from here. Tears will be wiped from our eyes. Everlasting joy will be upon our heads. No more sickness. No more death. Somebody told me before service they had to give up. They gave up driving. Because they're getting a little bit on the elderly side. Other people have done that. Some of you have done it. But when you get there, you won't even need a car, much less a driver's license. No more sickness. No more death. Walking on streets of gold. Leaning against walls of jasper. Strutting through gates of pearl. What a glorious time. That's why he's coming back. That's why we're going up. Number one, to avoid the wrath of God that's going on in this world. Number two, to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So to be clear, there's going to be a shout. I don't know what a shout's going to be. Some have speculated that it's a universal praise word, hallelujah. Maybe it is as it's found in the scripture where he just says, come forth or come on up here. On the eastern side, we might have said, come up here. But on down here, we say, come on up here. But it'll only be heard by the dead in Jesus and the true living professing and possessing saint of God. It will be a surprise event. Foolish people, foolish people have tried to predict when this mass or global evacuation will take place. They tried for years, even though the scripture is very clear that only the heavenly father knows when this great catching away will happen. But we do know this, that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We do know this, that in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is coming. It's set to occur at an unspecified time in the future. St. Augustine said, listen very carefully, the last day is hidden so that every day may be regarded 
If you believe Jesus could come at any time, it encourages you to be ready at all times. If you really believe that he could come at any moment, there's not one prophecy left to be fulfilled. Not one thing. I don't know. This week, Sister Marianne, I, I said, Lord, I don't know what the shred of mercy is and what the label of it is, but I just imagine there's only one shred of mercy that's keeping this world intact today. Is there proof of a catching away? Is there proof of a mass evacuation? Is there a proof? Yes, there's proof. There's been at least three raptures or evacuations already in the Bible. The Bible said that Enoch, in Genesis 5, 24, he walked with God and was not because God just took him. Hello, that's evacuation. That's rapture. Elijah was raptured out through a chariot and horses of fire and carried out in a whirlwind. Could you imagine being a part of that? He was caught away. Jesus was raptured away as he ascended from the Mount of Olives while his disciples looked on. There are probably three more raptures or evacuations to come. The first is the church, the bride of Christ, which we're talking about today. But then if you look over in Revelation chapter 11, you're going you're to read about two witnesses that God's going to send from heaven. They're going to preach. They're going to stir up a lot of hatred because they're preaching the truth. They're going to be killed. And then they're going to be resurrected, and they're going to be raptured with these words. Come up here. I would say that last rapture is probably going to be the rest of the righteous who get saved and give their lives during seven years of horror upon this earth. Raptured and rewarded for their sacrifices. What a reunion. What a reunion. You know, things change as you get older. Body changes. Even this old body's groaning for redemption. That's what those aches and pains are, by the way. You're wondering when you get up in the morning. That's biblical. Oh, that hurts. Oh, my back. Oh, my left knee. That's just your body groaning for redemption. <laughs> we get cling so much to this life. But as I get older, I realize I have more over there than I do over here. Anybody else realizing that? But one day, one day, Brother Jerry, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, what a reunion in the clouds. Think about it. Three different reunions are going to take place that quick. I thought it was just one. Well, think about it. Dead bodies are going to be reunited with their own spirits and souls. What a reunion. The resurrected believers, people that come up out of the grave are going to be reunited with living believers in the air.
Can you imagine that spouse that's been gone for 10, 20, and 30 years in a moment? You may be living and he may be deceased, but in a moment you're going to be reunited in the clouds. Hallelujah. But there is no greater reunion than when resurrected and raptured believers are reunited with Jesus in the clouds. That's the reunion of all reunions. And here's the thing. There'll be no more parting or separation. Nothing but eternal and uninterrupted reunion. For forever, we will be with the Lord. I was prayer walking last night. and I, This thought came to me. I'm just a speck of a sliver of metal. And Jesus is about to put the great magnet in the sky. I'm going to be sucked right off to this face of this earth. The scientists would say, no way. They'll say, gravity will hold you down. Let me tell you, there's something greater than gravity. And that's the spirit of the Lord living inside of me. And Romans tells me the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is going to one day quicken my mortal body. And I'm going to go to be with the Lord. One of these days, gravitational force is going to lose its hold on me. Two shall be in the field. One shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two will be lying in the bed. One shall be taken and the other will be left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and the other (laughs) shall be left. Every time I think about that, Every time I read about the ten virgins, Brother Gene, how five of them were wise and prepared, and five of them were foolish and was unprepared, every time I do the math in everything I just shared with you in the last 30 seconds, every time I do the math, I I can't help but wonder, is God trying to tell us, is it possible that half of you are ready, half of you are not? That's sobering, isn't it? I'm not judging anyone. I'm just making a statement here. We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to be ready. Just because I stand up here doesn't make me ready. There'll There'll be people standing behind these sacred desks that will not be ready to go. A mother was explaining to her little girl the death of her father. The mother said to her child, God has sent for your father. He will send for us. I do not know just when. 
few moments of silence. And finally, the little girl, in her innocence, she looked up at her mom, and she said, Mommy, if we do not know just when God is going to send for us, do you not think we had better pack up and get ready to go? God might send for us when we are not ready. so much so much quicker than that so much more rapid than that get ready to close we've listened to the news for the last probably 15 years how in California the Golden State, all of the acreage, acreage, millions of acres destroyed by wildfires. It was 2007 in San Diego. Wildfires raged about. Two years earlier, though, the authorities had installed a reverse 911 system. Two years earlier, they asked the residents, please register your phone numbers so that when future fires happen and you're put in harm's way, we can send a warning call out that would go to everyone on the list. Two years later, David Jeremiah tells the story of the wildfires that raged. And for the first time, the reverse 911 call went out. But some had not identified it, and so on their phone it showed up as an unrecognized number. Others had received the call, and they, they chose to ignore it. Some did not vacate. They did not evacuate. And they lost their lives. Listen to this preacher. More importantly, listen to the Spirit and the Word of God. God has sounded the warnings loud and clear. The real critical question is is have you entered your name on the divine reverse 911 call list be always looking 
Paul wrote. He was writing to Titus. This is what he said. Be always looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Watch and pray that your soul does not enter into temptation. What do we watch for? Because at any moment, he's going to come. He's going to come. A worldwide evacuation. Would you close your eyes? Today can be the day. Heavily weighing on your pastor's spirit. If things are not right between your soul and your Savior, today can be the day that you make them right. He's coming back after a bride without spot, without blemish. Just because man says it's okay doesn't mean God's Word says it's okay. And when we stand before the Lord, it's God's Word that we're going to be judged by, not your pastor's opinion, your spouse's opinion, your kid's opinion, your parent's opinion, your co-worker's opinion. This is you and God. This is you and Jesus right here, right now. This is you in the Spirit. This is you in the Word. Is your name, is your name written down in heaven? If Jesus came back today, would you evacuate in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye? No one looking around. You say, preacher, I'm not ready. I am not ready to go. I know I'm not ready to go. And while no one's looking around, you just raise your hand and put it right back down. I know I'm not ready. I know for fact, God knows even better than I do, I am not ready to go. I'm not ready to go. As their heads are bowed, Lord, maybe there's someone that should have raised their hand that didn't. Maybe there's someone that's watching this service right now and it's you and them in the living room or on their lunch break or they're listening to it riding down the road in their car. Maybe they're on vacation. They took a few moments out to tune in with service, not realizing that this is a divine appointment. Holy Spirit, complete the work that has begun through your word today. Complete the work. Thank you, Jesus. 
want you to stand to your feet very reverently if you would and if a loved one comes to your mind right now that that at the very least it's questionable that they're ready to go or that they're not ready to go I want you to lift your hand and I want you to just call their name out in prayer right now maybe several names come to your mind right now there's times Lord I I pray, come quickly. Then there's other times, Lord, I say, wait a little longer because i got a son or a daughter. I've got a cousin, Nora, my best friend that's outside the phone. I really don't know what to pray, Lord. Sometimes I say, Lord, just come quickly. Get me out of this misery. And there's other times I think about my neighbors that are perishing and need Jesus. And so, Lord, today I pray for them. I pray, God, you would capture and arrest their hearts. I pray that you would bring them home to you before it is too late. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. I'm going to ask Brother Mike Mitchell to come up here, and he's going to dismiss us in prayer in a moment. I want you to do something bold right now. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to ask him, are you ready for the mass evacuation? Would you do it right now? Are you ready? Are you ready for the mass evacuation?